it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. 7 a.m. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And welcome to 2021. We made it. We made it. We're here. Oh my God. What the fuck? We are alive, right? Kind of? A little I, bit? Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, you could say that we're alive, you know, in a sense. You could say that. I do daily wonder if I've already died because it would explain a lot. We're all just in purgatory together. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't mind being in purgatory with you, but yeah, this, this yeah, like we. This is just us, like yelling into the abyss of purgatory, <laughs> waiting for the fires to take us. Uh, anyways, everyone. <laughs> on that note, we are going to kick off this year with a fairly recent movie, uh, the 2016 movie Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. Yeah, this this was a request. So glad to be starting. I think we started last year with a request, but it was I wasn't it run for your wife. Was that last year? Yeah. And honestly, that was so much worse than this movie. Oh, yeah. No, this movie. I the thing about um, Mike and Dave need wedding dates is that these this is one of those comedy movies that is so close to being great. And I was talking to Kyle about this. There's something about like post Judd Apatow comedy where like studio comedy is just like a bunch of people, a bunch of comedic actors together and they all know each other and they're all kind of goofing around and like they're saying funny things, but the plot is like very loose. And because it is, it really stops these movies from like being like as clear or as because you know there are like a lot of like dated comedies from like the 80s and the 70s that still work because the structure of it is still you know we can still love it like it's like even if the content isn't relatable the you know the way that the jokes are written and the way that the plot moves like really works and this movie which is written by the same guys who wrote the neighbors movies which i think explains a lot (laughs) yes absolutely because like neighbors is neighbors is kind of the same way where it's like very fun but like not quite great you know yeah it's like the movie has great stage presence but no jokes like that's kind of how i would sum it up like it has energy there's a lot of people in it that i like i feel like they're having fun i feel like they want it to be funny and enjoyable but there's just not enough punchlines and the plot structure really falls off in the second half. (laughs) Like it starts off a lot cleaner and then it gets into the, like that territory of like everything's escalating, but we haven't written it tight enough. So actually everyone's just kind of losing their mind and then we'll like end it. Um, yes. So this film is directed by an, uh, Jake, Sismansky, uh, who also directed Toward a Pharmacy and Seven Days in Hell, those those Andy Samberg kind of like made for TV um, mockumentary films. And it was written by Andrew J. Cohen and Brendan O'Brien, which 
as I said, they wrote the Neighbors movies, um, both of them. And uh, they also did The House, which is that movie that I've never seen, the one where um, Amy Poehler and Will Ferrell, their kid is going to college and the scholarship didn't go through. So then they start like like illegally gambling to raise the money, which sounds like a great plot idea, but... I I feel like it probably, if I were to guess, has the same problem where it's just like, we got Will Ferrell, we got Amy Poehler, we got kind of a plot. Um, Right, and like so many of these people have improv experience, surely they can just like fill in the fun. And it's like, yeah, but this is still a movie. (laughs) Like even if it's a comedy, it's still a movie. So viewers expect a little bit more plot or a little bit more tightness in the structure yeah yeah absolutely so let's see this is from 2016 so yeah actually really recent like by i think kyle and i got together a month after this movie came out (laughs) wow yeah this is around when aj and i got together as well it's like very interesting because 2016 I think of as super recent, but also very far away, which I guess that's just how time is now. Um, Yeah, like I I consider any movie made after 2014 very recent. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, you know, since I moved to New York, it's been harder for me to see comedies because it's like it's like a super like artsy culture when i was in augusta i would just see fucking anything i saw the lego movie three times like i was just like fucking chilling man and then here like since i've been in new york i'll see i saw a trailer for like mike and dave need wedding dates and it's just like nobody in new york is gonna watch something like this everybody's going to the metrograph to see whatever love the metrograph just recently um moderated a talk there love you guys um, <laughs> oh yeah i love metrograph i have their streaming uh their streaming membership. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, they're very cool. But you know what I mean? Where it's oh. just, like, everybody's going to the Angelica. Everybody's going to, re- like, uh, retrospectives. Like, the only time that, like, everybody in New York is, like, going to see a movie is if it's, like, a superhero movie or, like, a big blockbuster. Meanwhile, it's, like, very, very heavy art scene. Yeah, I was going to say, I definitely agree because, yeah, when I think of like a lot of people going to Regal Cinemas, it's usually for a Marvel movie or a DC movie or some sort of superhero movie or a movie that's based on a book that's popular. Um, But yeah, I don't feel like that many, well, I don't know. I mean, I can't speak for all of New York, of course, but in my experience, there's less people going to comedies. Um Yeah, I mean, I think that the studio comedy is basically dead. And unfortunately, like, movies like this in the house are kind of why. Because, like, when compared to, like, television comedy, like something like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, there's way more thought put into how it works. And so people aren't going to want to leave the house just to go see Zac Efron. Like, maybe they will, but... If the movies were, is everybody just chilling? Like, why wouldn't you just chill? Well, at home? yeah, a lot of studio comedies have gotten really lazy, and there are new kinds of comedies. You know, like you think of like Booksmart or or more recent movies that are comedies, but they don't fit into the same exact genre as this movie that people did go to theaters to see. Um, or even like you know, I feel pretty. What? That's- 
Sorry to bother you. That's like a recent comedy that people actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's not that people won't see comedy or like people in New York won't see comedy, but it's definitely like you said, the studio comedy and be and a lot of it is because it's gotten stale um, because there's it's, it's like there's a formula, but there's also not at the same time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And when I was watching this movie, I don't know why, but because there's like a lot of like here's the family, here's how you're supposed to act, here's how you're supposed to present yourself. I was thinking about greener... Did you see Greener Grass? Yes, I did. I loved it. Oh my god, yeah. I was just like, man, like, the way that Greener Grass talks about like these concepts is so loopy and so interesting. <laughs> and yeah, like the baby, just, <laughs> can I have the baby back? No, like, it's just, yeah, it's so weird. But, and and what I liked about kind of the nihilism of greener grass was like it could be saying a lot of things but it also didn't have to be you could just kind of take whatever you wanted from it um yeah and yeah I, I yeah it's like a satire of suburbia but it's also just like fucking weird yeah exactly and the suburbia of this movie felt forced in a way that i almost wish was heightened more like it felt like everybody was wearing costumes and like yes yeah. they're in a movie but it felt like like I'm especially one of the opening scenes where we first meet uh, Zach Efron and Adam Devine and, and their parents and they're all sitting down. It's like, they're all wearing like the Coles uniform, <laughs> like oh, just like man. to the T, like with the button down and like their soon to be brother-in-law is like wearing a sweater vest. Like, it's just so like, this is suburban clothes. This is the normal family <laughs> like that, that like even like very suburban families don't dress like that anymore and it was just very funny to me yeah there's so much okay so this film is starring zach efron and adam is it devine or divine i don't know i don't know i i say devine do you say divine i'll just say divine adam divine and we got anna kendrick and aubrey plaza now okay Adam Devine. I did not watch Workaholics. So the Adam Devine phenomena has been perhaps the most confusing cultural moment in recent years. Cause I don't I don't get his appeal at all. Like he's in the Pitch Perfect movies, which I guess is like where he started like his like working relationship with Anna Kendrick. Um he's in Pitch Perfect, he's in Neighbors. He's in, you know, all the Pitch Perfect movies. He's in The Intern, Why Him? That's another studio comedy that, like, <laughs> that nobody talks about, probably for good reason. Um, he's in another film that we've already done on the podcast called When We First Met. <laughs> yes, that was the episode where I talked about fucking a pizza. And my, yeah. mom, my mom listened to it, trying to listen to the podcast, and then she turned it off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he's in, oh my God, he's in, isn't it romantic, which is a movie that a lot of people hate, but I actually really like And Isn't it romantic is probably his best performance because he's out of, in a very heightened movie, he just plays a regular guy. And I was like, that's the thing. Like when I saw that, I was like, okay, he knows how to play a regular guy. So why is he doing this 
fucking thing that I hate. Like, I guess it's his shtick, but I hate it. Also, he's in Jexy, which I'm sure we're going to do on the podcast because that has that that is a romantic comedy. <laughs> I don't remember that we're going to do Jexy. Uh, yeah, so I so I watched Workaholics. Um, I wasn't like I haven't seen all of the episodes. I wasn't like Die Hard, but I liked it. Um, but I really love Righteous Gemstones, and he's in Righteous Gemstones, and I think that he's perfectly cast in that. His name's Kelvin, and you know he's part of this corrupt and dysfunctional, you know, uh, preacher kind of dynasty family. And I think that he really captures this uh, unhinged youth pastor energy really well, um, where he's like this combination of well-meaning, um, but completely disconnected from himself. Uh, and so I, and I liked him in Workaholic. So I actually like him and I'm surprised I like him because he's the kind of a comedic actor I would expect to hate because he's so like generically bro -y. And I think that it's not that I don't like any bro comedians. I think it's just, we're so oversaturated with them and there's so much other talent that I'd like to see. Um, but I've seen him do well when he's in the right lane. Um, yeah. so I feel like he does get thrown at a lot of stuff as like the suburban guy and like, yeah. he does he really well when it's a good, like in Righteous Gemstones, he is perfect as this like youth pastor guy, like, yes. Um, and making that funny, but also you still have some empathy, even though everything's fucked up. Uh, but this movie is like him and Zac Efron are obviously having fun, but it's not good. And so they're just like yelling and riffing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie, the thing about this movie is that, and I, I agree with you, like, the thing is, is that I used to hate him, and then I saw him in Isn't It Romantic, and then I realized that what I really hate is the way that he's cast most of the time. Yes, and, and the character that he's supposed to play. And I especially hate him in the Pitch Perfect movies. I think that his energy in that is the most ir I mean, I hate those movies. Um, that's like the, like one of the few like um, female led franchises that like, sometimes I try to be very like charitable, but for, <laughs> but I don't know why it's so funny to me that you hate pitch perfect. Like it's not that I thought that you would love it. And I have, I've, I've, I've seen, um, are there three total? There are three pitch. Perfect. Okay, I've only seen the yeah. first two, and I honestly like was just kind of with friends, and it was like, sure, yeah, cool. So I don't really have any strong feelings, but it's very funny to think about you like actively disliking it and like having to hold your tongue about Pitch Perfect. Like you're like, I won't say how I feel. I'll let people like this. <laughs> well, because yeah, people get really upset when you don't like Pitch Perfect. Like it's one of like you know the studio. We've talked like a lot about the studio comedy already in this episode but yeah that's like one of the few like studio comedy franchises that like everybody fucking loves and like made a lot of fucking money and it's so <laughs> it's confusing to me personally but you know i'm glad that everybody had a good time that's <laughs> yeah. that's, that's where i'm at but yeah i he's i am willing to give adam divine like the benefit of the doubt 
and try to see like where else I could like him. And I do here. It's weird. He's very obnoxious here, but there are, there are like individual scenes where he's not obnoxious, but most of it's, I feel like it's 80% obnoxious. Yeah. And it does make me wonder like with casting him and everything, is it that because he really does have um, a face that looks like a lot of white guys and there's a lot of white guys that are in that same basic casting room you know in Hollywood that his way of heightening these roles or making them more distinct is like oh I'll just turn up the volume like is that the mindset that he has or that the directors have or what because when he's cast well and and when he's allowed to play with more range and subtlety then I think he's great um, it's just when he's expected to be like keg 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 that I'm like I'm so bored <laughs> yeah yeah you know. um, so we have so we have him and we have mr zach efron who you know what a boy what a journey it's it's interesting because like zach efron like we don't really know much about his personal life i guess there's that show on netflix but i have not watched it but people had a lot of thoughts about it but yeah i haven't watched it either but i i know that i will yeah, his journey as an entertainer has been really interesting because he's one of the few Disney stars who like actually made it into like big kid movies, but his choices always feel so random. Yeah, yeah, like I don't know if it's it's always hard for me to know if it's a matter of what he is offered you know, what his agents are seeing for him or that he himself just doesn't really have a clear direction of what he wants to pursue, what kinds of movies he wants to be in, what kinds of jobs he wants. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, he's the high school musical boy, but he also started 17 again, which I've heard is good. I have not seen it. New Year's Eve, uh, the Lorax, the Paperboy, which yeah, wow, him and the Paperboy, like that's that's good shit, man. Um, both of the Neighbors movies, Dirty Grandpa, We Are Your Friends, that thing about like DJs, I think that awkward moment, which we will definitely be doing on the podcast soon. I've been thinking about doing that movie for a while. Baywatch, which sucks, The Beach Bum which is like a Harmony Kareen film. He played Ted Bundy recently. I just... <laughs> oh, yeah. I completely, like, erased the Ted Bundy from my mind. Like, that I whole discourse, the it. fact that that movie existed, everything. I just, like, deleted it from my brain, which was great. Should. Yeah. 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 So the, we this is this is a man who is all over the place. Like the last time he was in the news, it was because like he met his girlfriend like on a beach and he like discovered her and everybody was talking about everyone was being so weird about it. They're like, yeah, he just like met her and she was like a waitress at like a beach resort or something and like he now she like lives with him and you know she this is her like whole glow up and everybody was just like yeah so like all us regular girls out there we can go and we can meet our Zac Efron while we're waitressing and it's like no sweetheart no <laughs> yeah like it's very much a, a princess story right like people were latching on to that like the wow you know 
this is like a uh this is a prince that found the the beautiful commoner and like decided to make her royalty and it's like or like this was you know a connection that they made it was chance and we shouldn't all throw ourselves into the lotto <laughs> i don't know i mean whatever yeah. people need i'm not gonna pretend i know what's going on but yeah, you know no, waiting I mean, for waiting for your zach is probably not gonna be the move yeah i don't know like we're just gonna you're you're gonna be a waitress and just hope that it works out like being a waitress is perfectly normal but like you're gonna be a waitress because you're waiting to meet someone rich like girl <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly um so yeah so that we and so we've got them we've got miss anna kendrick who you know i love i love me some anna kendrick i love her with a caveat and that's i wish she would never rap again and i know that that's not gonna happen because she can't stop fucking doing it <laughs> yes i am just gonna co-sign that caveat because yes we do not need that ever and she definitely has the energy that she will continue to do that um but yeah i mean she seems anna kendrick just seems like she's like a sweet person like yeah. I, I get the feeling that she's just like fun um a little she's a little cutie she's like a good like she's legitimately adorable and she's like a good singer and i'm always happy to see her and she always seems to be like having a good time in movies and i mean my introduction to her was scott pilgrim versus the world and i'm like obsessed with that cast so really no one in that cast can do anything to really piss me off yeah so um, she's she's got the the gold star and i mean aubrey plaza she's amazing and i do like aubrey that Aubrey Plaza also in Scott Pilgrim. See, it's a perfect film. <laughs> and I, I like, I also just really like that Aubrey Plaza and Anna Kendrick are so different. Like they have such incredibly different energy. And so I liked that balance. Um, whereas Zach Efron and Adam Devine, like, I felt like Zach Efron was trying to match Adam Devine the whole time. And part of that was because of how their characters are written, you know, their brothers they're, they're partners in mischief. That's like the whole crux of the movie, right? Is that they don't know how to grow up and their sister's getting married and their parents are like, you, their parents sit them down in the beginning of the movie and they're just like, you can't go stag and hit on all these women and embarrass us at your sister's wedding. You both need to find nice dates that you can bring and act like adults. So, you know, like, Zach and Adam's whole thing is that they goof around. So it makes sense that their energy feels almost identical. Like they're obviously different actors, but their characters don't feel like they have very different personalities. Whereas Aubrey Plaza and Anna Kendrick are just so different in general that their characters feel very different to me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like Anna Kendrick has like kind of like the classic party girl kind of energy but like party girl dork like she shows up and immediately gets too drunk like it kind of just like a cute drunk like on the table kind of energy whereas like Aubrey Plaza has a more like abrasive kind of like uh you know she can she can like punch you in the face kind of energy oh, and, yeah. I, and I love that yeah absolutely yeah she's kind of violent she's gonna be mean to you but obviously she's covering up because she's afraid to 
Um, yeah, her and her and Anna have very different party girl energy. And the movie, yeah, the movie starts off with um, Zach and Adam getting confronted by their family because their sister is getting married, and they need to grow up and stop ruining all of the family events. And of course, there's like this very cartoony montage that's like showing them like setting off fireworks and causing mayhem at an event where their grandpa like didn't die, but got injured. And, you know, it's all very over the top establishing their characters. Okay. Yeah, no, it is wild that like, cause Steven Root plays the dad and Steven Root like turns on a tape. That's like Mike and Dave ruining family events. Like the title is like something like that. And it's just like a super cut of them fucking shit up. And it's like, number one, like white families have always been so fascinating with me, like taping everything. Like I wish that I had the kind of documentation that white families, like sometimes Kyle would be like, this is when we went to Disney world. This is the school play. And I'm just like, I don't have any of that shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, so like watching this, I was just like, number one, the cinematography and that super cut is amazing. Like they didn't even try to make it look like somebody took it. With, Cause there's, because by then, like, iPhones had only really been a huge deal for like five years. So so there's no way that all that footage looks amazing. Like I know that. it's really funny. It's like, definitely, they don't even try to explain why it's all so perfectly edited. It's just like, obviously we have the reel <laughs> of both of you fucking up. So here's obviously. the you fucking up reel that we're going to show you to remind um, you why you can't come to this wedding single. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like obviously we bring a cinematographer to all of our events just in case you fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, as you do. Uh yeah, so Steven Root's pissed off. Um the mother is also pissed off, but she doesn't really get as many lines. But whenever the mom talks, she's played by um Stephanie Ferrasi. Every single time she speaks, I'm like, I wish she would speak more. Like there's a scene like later in the film where Steven Root's like, I hate them, I hate them, I hate them. And she's just like, you love them, they just fucking suck. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, like, it's it's very funny. I mean, their parents, I kind of wish we could just hang out with them more. Yes, I love the parents. <laughs> they just seem fun. Like, they're very pragmatic in the way that they confront their sons. They're like, we love you, we understand that you're fun, but you also need to grow up. And it feels... Even though I said earlier that they are cartoonishly suburban in the way that they're dressed, it doesn't feel like this is about respectability even. It's not that the parents are like, you know, don't embarrass us. They're just like, this is actually bad for your life too. Like, you're actually not going to have a good life if you don't figure out why you can't just like go to an event and like chill. Um, well, yeah, because they're right at the cusp of the age where it's kind of like they're too old. Like... I'm not, it's not even like entirely too old for this shit. It's just like, it's like late twenties. And for Adam Devine, it was like, he was like 30. And it's just like, you're at that age where like, this is starting to not be cute anymore. Like this is starting, this is not cute. Yeah. Yeah. This is not cute. And also like letting loose in this way is something that is only, only really going to be fun in certain contexts like well when you're younger you kind of just do that all the time it's like it's not that you can't ever let loose it's just like 
yeah, you got to figure out the boundaries. Like you got to learn like boundaries, buddy. Like you're with your family. Like when I'm with like a, like a, a never with my family because I'm just a weirdo loner. But when I'm, whenever I'm with a family, like I'm like, if I'm going to get drunk, I'm going to be very quiet about it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like it's a completely different game, you know? And like, you just want to keep it buttoned up a little bit. And that doesn't mean you can't be friendly or have fun, but it's just a different kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So they, so they need wedding dates because their sister is getting married, their sister Jeannie, and she's played by Sugar Lynn Beard, who I had never seen in anything before. Oh, it's because she's Canadian. Um, Yeah. I was like, Am I supposed to know her? <laughs> she also does a lot of like cartoon voices. It looks like, which, which, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. She does a lot of. Oh my god, she did a voice for Cyber Chase. That's like whoa. Like just seeing the word Cyber Chase like threw me back in time. That makes a lot of sense because she had a very distinctive voice and she was very animated. So I, I, I can totally see her being a good voice actress. Her voice is honestly the cutest thing in the world. Every single time that she talked, I was like, I'm obsessed with you. You're <laughs> so cute. Oh. <laughs> I I love I love Jeannie. Jeannie, honestly, Jeannie and um so the guy that she's getting married to is Eric and played by Sam Richardson. And I gotta say, Jeannie and Eric might be my favorite like I love I love Anna Kendrick and Aubrey Plaza and they're super fun but there's something about Jeannie and Eric that is just so fucking cute like very rarely in these movies especially like wedding movies are the people that are getting married like seem like people who would get married and in this context I'm like this makes total sense it makes total sense that they're together (laughs) yeah like I wanted more of them like I know that the movie is about Mike and Dave and of course Aubrey Plaza and Anna Kendrick once they're looped in. But, you know, whenever there's a movie that is centered around a wedding, I want to see a little bit more of the couple. Like, what's their dynamic? Are we rooting for the marriage? Are we not? Do we think it'll last? And I wish that the movie gave us a little bit more of Jeannie and Eric, because I agree with you. I think that they're one of those couples where, like, Eric is quieter and he's more kind of just like you know, steady in his energy and his moods. And Jeannie's a little bit more hyper and like, they probably have like a great, just like way of existing together. Yeah. Oh my. So I love Sam Richardson's whole thing in this movie is just like, let's play the corniest black man possible And the way that he does it somehow doesn't annoy me. Because, like, sometimes I see a character like this and, like, I get it. He's a Black person and he's playing a character that you wouldn't stereotypically expect. And it's like, oh, this is supposed to be so fucking funny because Black people aren't like this. Like, Black people don't listen to the beat. Like, I just feel like the joke is, like, isn't this person, like, a strange Black? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Like, wow, he likes Simon and Garfunkel. And it's like, yeah, that's pretty normal. It's not a big deal. (laughs) Yeah, I I felt like Eric was very shortchanged. Not just in the way that they decided to write him, but the fact that he just didn't have very many lines. Like, there would be whole scenes where he would be sitting or standing next to Jeannie, and Adam... And Zach would just be going at it. 
like joking around and then Jeannie would be interacting with them. And then Eric would have like one line and like, yeah. And like, yeah, that is a thing that happens, especially with like, you know, a brother-in-law who's around their partner and siblings and everything. But I was still like, come on. Like he has to be around all these white people. Like let him at least say more than sure or see you later or thanks for coming to the wedding. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is about like the racial politics of this movie are very weird because we have because we've got Eric who like it's like oh he's corny so he's got that whole thing and then there's like a guy at the wedding who isn't really introduced like but he's but he's suddenly in a bunch of scenes there's Keith played by Lavelle Crawford and like he's really funny and I had no idea who he was and I didn't feel like anybody like the movie didn't seem like totally clear with that but he just like started the whole third act of the movie he's there (laughs) yeah absolutely and he's apparently on better call Saul which is that show that I I you know what I well I should watch that people always people always say nice things about it yeah I felt like Lavelle Crawford like he should have been able to be funny more in it like again he was just kind of there like we would see him and he would emcee the wedding a little bit but we really didn't get much of him and given how much kind of looseness there is in this movie they could have easily added something (laughs) like oh yeah no they they definitely could have like there's a lot of there's a lot of goofing around in this movie and there's no reason why he wouldn't be able to do it this but this movie is also really strange in how it uses uh, oh man we're gonna get to kumail in a second because that's another weird racial thing very very weird we definitely yeah so Okay, so Mike and Dave put out an internet ad that they need dates, right? And of course, it goes viral because it's a great stunt. And there's like the classic montage of them taking out women. And there's all the weird women and, you know, ha ha ha, like, and it's fine. Um, And they're like, oh, none of these women will do because they're not, uh, quote, nice enough for our parents, you know, like, they're they're not going to be the dates that we need for this wedding and they go so viral that they end up getting interviewed on TV. Now we've already met Aubrey Plaza and Nick Hendrick because they got fired from their job because they got drunk on the job. Um, and like they were working as waitresses and like, they're like smoking pot and they're kind of trying to figure out like, what are we doing with our lives? And they see, Mike and Dave get interviewed on TV about needing dates for their sister's wedding and like how they went viral and everything. And they decide that like, they need to do this. They need to go to Hawaii for free with these men because it'll be fun and funny and they'll get a free trip to a Hawaii. Right. Yeah. So of course, you know, the, as the viewer, you assume that they're just going to respond to the ad, but instead Aubrey Plaza has this whole idea And somehow she figures out the bar that Mike and Dave have been at. Like, they've been going to all the dates at the same bar. And so they decide to just go show up at the bar so that they can meet them, quote, organically, so that they really stand out as the top contenders. Now, this is where, this is where, like, one of the first most bonkers moments of the movie occurs when, um... Aubrey Plaza goes to cross the street. A car comes. She basically jumps onto it and rolls off. 
and plays dead. <laughs> like, like at first, Anna Kendrick is legitimately afraid that Aubrey Plaza's character is like, you know, hurt. And and she goes over to help her, and Aubrey Plaza is like, shh, like, let let them come help me. And so then Adam Devine and Zach Efron are are back out. I'm just gonna use them by their real names and not their character names to make it less confusing. Um and Adam Devine like fake saves her you know he thinks that he's like giving her mouth to mouth or whatever and then they decide to all have drinks and that that starts this whirlwind Uh, yeah i i love what i what i love about um aubrey plaza and anna kendrick in this movie is that they're basically introduced as like you know just like messy bitches and that's my favorite kind of people. And they were, it's what? Okay, so they work at this bar and they get fired. Um, but the bar has Jake Johnson and Mark Marin, And then we never see them again. Like they showed up for that one scene. And I was just like, really? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, um, I was cracking up at how perfectly cast Jake Johnson was for like this beleaguered manager who obviously doesn't like his job, but also has to lay down the law and he's just like done with their shit. So he's going to fire them. Like I was like, Jake Johnson is perfect for this small role that he, I guess that was it. That was one scene. Yeah. Like quite a move to have Jake Johnson and Mark Maron and not have them back in the movie. Yeah, and I noticed this at this point, like Jake Johnson is always playing bartenders. He's one in New Girl. He's also one in that um ABC show, Stumptown, and he's one in this. And he just like has like bartender energy. He really does. He really does. Um, but yeah, so they get so like their whole thing is just that like they're they're messy. And I that's one of the main things that I like about this movie is that they're messy in a way that like regular women are messy and we rarely we rarely see that yes I mean without it being painted as like the worst thing in the world I mean this movie has an issue with how messy they are but also their messiness leads to like really interesting places so I almost feel like the movie is like in awe of their messiness as well and it's kind of like this conflict between like being mad about it and also being fascinated by it and then meanwhile I'm right here just like no but like these are women that I would like to hang out with these are women that this is like a kind of person that I was too like I have acted this way (laughs) oh yeah for sure I mean I was cracking up at the scene where they see um, Zach and uh, Adam get interviewed on TV because they're like, you know, they're all messy. And I was like wearing like tie dye pajamas and smoking weed while I was watching the movie. <laughs> I was just like, I feel very seen right now. Um, like just like them, like eating a sandwich and like part of it dropping and then like grabbing the bong. I was like, yeah, this is real life. And it's true. You still really don't see, uh, female characters in that state without it either being like wow she's so bad like this is such a big deal but with them it was like okay this is actually why they're the perfect match for these guys because they can all relate yeah yeah and I mean the interesting thing is like so they have to bring nice girls to the wedding so that they don't embarrass their family but the girls themselves are like 
actually pretty similar to them and so the girls have to like pretend like they're not similar and then like the further that the movie goes on you realize that they are they are actually like hardcore whereas like mike and dave are like suburban party boys and it's like no aubrey plaza and anna kendrick like have seen some shit and they're like way tougher (laughs) yeah and that that actually felt realistic to me (laughs) because it kind of felt like um the assumption of men being funny, like when, when women are funny, they have to work way harder, but they're usually funnier um, to be perceived that way. And so in this sense, these characters, in order for them to be perceived as like party girls or tough, like they had to actually do like tough and, and at times like very dangerous things. Whereas these guys just got to like get drunk and like, you know, set off a firework. But Aubrey Plaza and Anna Kendrick are like, yeah, like, I I don't know. They have like stories of like going to Vegas and like getting in trouble with the mob. You know, like they're just like in it. And they like casually have like, I love that, like, because they get the bride really fucked up the night before the wedding. And I just love that. Like Anna Kendrick basically has like this like Barney bag full of like <laughs> drugs. It's just like just like this endless like we started with we started with ecstasy and then we started taking like and I was just like wow man like I couldn't imagine like taking ecstasy is enough. I couldn't imagine like taking more at the same time and I was like this shit is crazy. I know I was just like your dopamine tomorrow is gonna be like at negative twenty. <laughs> Like, you just, like, shot your dopamine for the next month. Yeah. So it's it, so it's kind of like a slow burn where they... I mean, I think it's immediately obvious that these girls are not, like, the nice... Like, one of them is, like, a... Te- um, Aubrey Plaza pretends to be a teacher. Anna Kendrick pretends to, like, work at a hedge fund. And then whenever she <laughs> explains it, it's just, like, hedging those funds. The f- <laughs> I need to check my hedges. It's... I love that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Her just, like... And, I mean, I think the most realistic part of that is everyone's, like, tuning it out because they're, like, I don't understand finance. So they're just, like, okay, yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh yeah so like it just it's it like slowly starts coming out like they're obviously way more chill they start like getting drunk immediately like as soon as they get there and the boys are upset about it and there's also like cousin terry played by alice wetterland who like shows up and she has like this like (laughs) oh my gosh with with a- Adam Devine, and she she kind of like sets her sights on Aubrey Plaza. Like it's very clear that she wants to fuck Aubrey Plaza, and I love this character. We need more characters like this in comedy. Where she oh, she just, was like, so Whoa. funny. She was great. She rolls up, and I was just like, oh my god, there's like a hot queer girl here. Yeah, <laughs> and, and she was like, and I liked. I, I really believed her relationship with Adam Devine. I believe that they had this ongoing rivalry and that she's like, yeah, your girlfriend wants to fuck me more than you. And he's just like, ah, oh. and then like, Aubrey Plaza is like, I'm going to go get some food. <laughs> yeah. So like, there's that. Cause that kind of sets it into motion because like Aubrey Plaza is such like a, kind of like a free spirit where it's just like, you because later on there's a scene where Aubrey Plaza like um fingers cousin Terry and it's like fingers her for 
Rihanna tickets, which I fucking love. And I would also do the same thing. I, yeah, I was like, who wouldn't finger someone for Rihanna tickets? Like, come on. Like, yeah, they're in a spa, too. Um, yeah, that's that scene. I I wanted more of that scene. Like, there's so much of this movie where um, where it's just like girls just having a good time, and it made me realize how much I wish I saw that more. Because like in a lot of these studio comedies, it's boys having a good time, and then the girls, and then the girls are like mostly just like wives and shit, and they're just like, oh, look at my husband. He's like. Uh, look at what he's doing. Like, it, like I think about Rose Byrne and Neighbors, and like, there's so many people like that, and even like friend characters, where it's just like, you know how like in a lot of these comedies, there's like a there's like a nice girl, and then she's like waiting for the guy to like get his shit together. She's so she's just like disapproving him, and like every oh scene. yeah for sure. It's like either like just like waiting in the wings and being like. I packed your lunch, honey. Like I folded your clothes. I hope you'll grow up. Or it's like laughing at like, oh, the boys are so funny when they have fun. I wish I was funny. I wish I had a personality. I wish I had goals. Like <laughs> the boys are so great. <laughs> but this is just like, oh, the girls are having fun. Everyone's a person. Who would yeah, have thought? Yeah. Every scene that the boys weren't in, I was having a great time. Because, like, basically, um, Adam Devine and Zac Efron are playing the, the exact same notes throughout most of the movie, which is a huge problem. And it's just them being like, wow, those these girls are more hardcore than we are. And that's, like, every scene. That's their reaction to everything that happens. And it's just, like, over and over and over again. The only variation is that... At um, Zach Efron and Anna Kendrick have a more like traditional like romance going on, and Adam Devine and um, and Aubrey Plaza are just like doing this thing where like they're just like it's very hard to tell like if Aubrey Plaza actually wants to fuck him, but their entire thing is like we could fuck, we could not fuck. Oh yeah, and like then- it's like they do like kind of you know double entendre, dirty talk and stuff. It's like. Yeah, it's like they're verbally edging and then she's like, and then she'll take it back to the literal, like right when it seems like they're going to actually get hot and heavy. She'll be like, anyways, and now I'm going to my room. And he's like, what? And because she's pretending to be a teacher, they make all these sexual teacher jokes. Um, And it, it is hard to tell. I mean, she makes a joke to Anna Kendrick when they first get to Hawaii about how she's going to toy with him. And so it's not clear at first whether she's doing that because she's, not attracted to him yet or if she just enjoys watching him squirm i think it's the latter yeah yeah definitely um and there's also like a lot of like sexual like it's like he almost wants to like control her sexually and he's like upset that she is more like sexually liberated than him which is like weird for me because it makes me not want them to be together and I mean later in the movie he calms down but he's just like so (laughs) he's just like so upset about like her like being chill and her sexuality uh, being obviously fluid (laughs) yeah yeah he is like really I mean I feel like he is very confused about what he wants, right? Because he's he's absorbed these very um, kind of like cishet monogamous ideals from his suburban family. And so he hasn't really questioned them and he hasn't really thought about why he reacts to a woman 
who has a different relationship with her sexuality than him. But he also is drawn to her because she doesn't abide by those. So it's like, I mean, I just, and I I think this is really true for all four characters and the movie even acknowledges it. Like all four characters end up having hearts to heart to hearts where they admit that they're um, scared and that they put up a front and they're not really like trying to grow as a person because it's scary. And so I feel like one of the big things is that they're not reflective of their desires and their goals in life. And like Adam Devine's dynamic with Aubrey Plaza is like him not knowing himself. I know that's like a very like intense read for this movie, but I really felt like the movie was trying to say like, these people don't, these people are fun, but also they're sad now because they don't know themselves. And so they're going to help each other fix that. Yeah. I love at the end. Well, Sam, so Sam Richardson, who plays Eric, he has this great freak out at the end that made me wish that he had spoken more through a lot of the movie. And I guess that's the movie's justification for it. It's like, he has to be really quiet so that when he has this moment where he's yelling at everyone, it's like super surprising, but like, um, because essentially what happens is is that um everybody starts blaming Aubrey Plaza and Anna Kendrick for like fucking with their supposed marriage like their their upcoming marriage like supposedly fucking with it and there are like two big incidents that that lead to that and I'll talk about that in a second but um so like there's a scene of course there's like that inevitable scene where everybody's like no you have to you have to get back together and it's like all four of these like people just showing up and barging in on them and then eric he has like a whole thing but he starts with being like y'all are codependent and fucking weird and i was just like thank you oh yeah 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 because the whole wedding is ruined because everybody's doing drugs and all this stuff and like somehow you can hear Mike and Dave on the mic talking about how their sister got a sex massage from Kamai Nanjiani and she like got in an, she gets in an accident when they go like four wheeling with the girls. So her face is all messed up because she needs to heal and all these things. So there's all these like things that actually aren't that interesting are just chaotic that happen that lead to Jeannie and Eric calling off the wedding. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, so there are a couple things like, uh, they ride ATVs and they, they're looking at like the area where areas where Jurassic Park were filmed. And, um, and so Aubrey Plaza does this amazing jump where she's like in the air and it's just like this amazing shit. And that's one of those other scenes. It's like, whoa, you know who, who are these girls like where did they come from like that whole thing but then um adam divine tries to do it and he and then he like crashes into his sister's face and i don't understand why she was standing so close i think it's that it happened too fast for her to move but like it's it's just weird like i feel like that was really orchestrated strangely where yeah like, there's this shot where like he's in the air and then you see her face and you see her just kind of shuffling slightly to the side but she doesn't get out of the way but the way it's shot isn't slow motion or anything so you're not getting the sense that like 
she is experiencing time differently. So it's a very weird choice. Cause I was like, why is she not getting out of the way? Yeah. It's very weird. So then we just watch her watch herself get hit in the face with an ATV. Yeah. So, so there's that. And that causes like a whole um, thing. And I did notice that like when it happens and they go to see the parents and talk about it all, everybody, like the boys are just like, we didn't cause this it's the girls and that's their whole thing through the whole movie it's like the like the girls are like doing something they're like minding their own business and then they're like overreacting to the girls and then kind of like starting their own shit and they just can't stop blaming it on them and it's like it's almost like a weird thing where it's like your family blames everything on you and you're blaming everything on them and i just don't understand like why you're not learning from this so yeah a lot of that shit is like really patriarchal and weird okay so let's get to the spa. Yeah. Okay. So they are at the spa. And also I wanted to mention um, for, for the happiest season fans, we got, we got Mary Holland who's playing Becky, who's plays um, the, the friend of the bride. She doesn't really get a lot of scenes, but you know, she, we love, we love her. Then we love her. We love her like novel. <laughs> and she, I mean, she, she's really adorable in this movie, but she doesn't really get much to do. Yeah, she really doesn't. I was so excited to see her and I was sad that I didn't get to see her for longer at a time, but it was great to see her and, and good to just see her working. And the, yeah, you know, this yeah. was before happiest season. So she's been, she's been putting in the work. Love to see that she's, that she's been around, you know? Absolutely. Um, so- yeah, so they're in the spa, and um, Anna Kendrick is like, oh, well, you know, we fucked up her face, you know, we should do something. So she goes up to Kumail, who is playing this massage therapist who, with, like, this, like, with, like oh, long hair. His hair is so bad. It's, it's wild hair, and he's also just, like, not speaking in his normal accent either, which is... I don't know what accent he was supposed to do. Like, I don't know what was happening because also it wasn't consistent. When we first saw him and he first started talking, I didn't feel like he was putting on an accent. And then later when he's giving the massage, he's putting on the accent. And if that was supposed to be part of the joke was that his character was like faking the accent, then I think that could have been more clear because it felt like a subtle shift to me, which made me wonder if it was on purpose or not. Yeah, I don't understand what was going on with that accent. It was he was doing like kind of like a Hank Azaria kind of because I feel like Hank Azaria is usually playing these characters like weirdos that are like like oddly sexual and like don't understand like regular human behavior. And it was just so weird watching Kumail specifically doing a role like this because it's not really that's not really his energy at all. Like that's not how he comes up or seems like yeah it it was I mean and and it also just felt like kind of another weird trope from this style of comedy studio comedy where it's like oh we have the massage it's gonna get sexual like I can't even count how many studio comedies have a scene where it's like one person's naked and they're getting waxed or they're getting massaged or like and it's gonna get weird And they never have the range to deal with, like, consent or anything. So there's always that discomfort with, like, are we going to laugh at, like, a kind of rapey situation? And then there's also just the fact that it's, like, all the jokes feel very predictable and cringe. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like it wasn't really even that I was offended. I was just like, oh god, this is happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's either something like this or like a weird menage a trois or that weird thing where it's like an older couple is like, hey, Oh, yeah, like they're sexy and we're supposed to think it's funny because how dare old people want to have sex? Like, oh, gross. Like, yeah. Yeah, uh, that uh, weird like uh, rough night. Rough night had that, I think. I also rough night. That's another like bad studio comedy. Anyway, there's so many of them. Yeah. Um, so Anna Kendrick decides that she's going to pay extra to Kamai because, you know, she is kind of respons partially responsible for her kind of fake boyfriend's sister having an injury on her face. So she's like, this woman really needs like Jeannie needs some relief. And so then there's this whole scene where he's like, covered in oil and he's like sitting on her he's basically just like bouncing her different ways where she's orgasming and like i mean luckily the scene makes it very clear that she's enjoying it like she seems to be fine with all of it yeah, she's having a great time yeah like she's oh. having a great time so it's not like the joke is that he's creeping her out um but it was just like it didn't do anything for me. <laughs> so, that scene is really interesting because, like, it's not just that Kumail is, like, playing a character that he doesn't normally play. It's also just that it's more of his body than I have ever seen. Like, he is naked. I can see his ass. I see his thighs. I mean, he looks great. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, also, yeah. Also, by the way, I wanted to say that it's very weird how people are obsessed with his body because he's buff now. And I think it's really strange. And I think everybody needs to chill the fuck out. Like, it's creepy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like, when he posted the original thirst traps and like the announcement of being buff, I wasn't surprised because I was like, well, yeah, that's the reaction you're going to get. You know, nobody's seen you. You like, got all these abs but now like the kind of like buff kamai like uh it's almost like a weird fan culture i'm like all right do y'all like him or <laughs> like do you like his comedy or my twitter feed is just like talking about like how unnatural it is and like like and i'm just like it, but it's not your business and it almost feels like people are treating him like a sellout because he got buff and it's for a Marvel movie. And people seem to be like really couching it and like, oh, it's a Marvel movie. And it's like, okay, sweetheart. But like, he, like, why are you so upset at him specifically for doing a Marvel movie? I don't movie? know. I mean, like, I think, I think because he like became very popular on Silicon Valley. And so that's such a different type, right? Like he was playing the tech guy. So everybody thinks of him as like, in my opinion, the hottest guy on Silicon Valley. And he's not, you know, um, a rapist like TJ Miller. So um, he, so I think that's, I'm not defending it, but I think a lot of people associate him with being like a hot nerd and like a hot nerd comedian. And so now that he's buff, it's not that you couldn't be a hot buff nerd comedian. It's just like, that doesn't fit into people's boxes. So they're like, wait, I can't relate to you now because you're like a buff superhero how am I supposed to laugh with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that's that's just such a weird phenomenon. I'm sure that somebody's gonna like write a culture piece about it. But anyway, in this movie, he, when he's not buff, he still looks great. His ass looks. I was like, I'm looking at Kumail's ass. I I never thought that I would 
ever see that. And it looks good. Like it's like really like round, like well, like he looks great. Like he's, his <laughs> legs are <laughs> like, He is like, no, cause like I'm looking, he's just doing all of these different positions. And I know that the scene is fucking stupid. Like I know that, but like, it's just so like, it's so rare to see that it's so rare to see like a hot brown man and just like like being like very you know and the camera loves him like oh yeah no I mean he looked amazing I definitely agree yeah I just I don't know I was like I think it's just because like I'm not attracted to any of the men in this movie except for him really um the women totally hot but yeah the men I'm like no, although Sam Richardson, like, he has, like, resting husband face. Yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, like, I don't like, I don't find Zac Efron or Adam Devine, like, I'm not attracted to them personally. Yeah, me neither. Um, so there's that. There's, there's that incident. And then there's also, like, so uh, Jeannie gets, like, worried about, she gets the jitters. <laughs> So Anna Kendrick is like, don't you want to do a bunch of drugs? And then suddenly they're just like naked with a bunch of horses, just like having having a good time. And the thing about it is, is that like, I understand on one level that this is really irresponsible to do the bride. But I was actually a lot through a lot of this movie. I was just really happy that the bride was like clearly having experiences that she had never had and like asking questions about her life that she had never asked. And I really actually liked her journey. (laughs) See, that's such a sweet take because my take was like, wow, this is such lazy writing that they're just having them get high. Like, because this was the point in the movie where everything had already exploded, you know, like Jeannie had gotten in the accident. And so to me, it just felt like the movie was just throwing out all these kind of tired studio comedy tropes. Like, now they're going to get really high and everything's going to be so crazy. And like, you know, they already had the massage scene. And so for me, I, I felt like I was almost tuning out because I was just like, okay, nothing's happening. It's just like the same thing that always happens in these movies that are like always in Hawaii because the actors want a vacation. <laughs> so I like your take because your take is so sweet <laughs> and mine's just like very jaded. Uh, I was just mad because I felt like there's all these really funny people and the concept itself is fun, but the movie just felt like it got very lazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that. Yeah. I feel like I'm very charitable about these kinds of things, (laughs) which I hope is what you love about me. Yeah, of course. Because, yeah, I I guess I was just really, I was really, like, it's weird. This movie is, like, structured really, there's a great movie in here. Like, this could have I think that's why I was frustrated. Like, I think that's why I was frustrated is because I was like, like, I felt like the first half hour was really good. And I felt like there were obviously moments that were funny. And there's so many people I like. But that's what made me more upset when it felt like they were just like, okay, now now we're gonna have like 40 minutes of just people running around and screaming. And I was like, why? (laughs) Like, why are you doing this? Yeah, yeah, it's it's really something like I guess maybe because there aren't a lot of like studio comedies like about women like having a good time and it really and so I get like kind of upset when like they 
when they're not great, like I don't, I can't think of a charitable way to say that I get upset when they're not great because it means that, you know, they're going to get lost to time. Like Mike and Dave need wedding dates is going to be lost to time for these reasons. And it didn't have to be this way. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Like just a a few tweaks and it could have been a comedy that lasted longer or that people would want to watch that hadn't seen it years later because they'd be like, Oh yeah, I heard, I heard that that one was good. And it has these people that I like in it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, um, of course, of course, uh, Jeannie and Eric do end up getting back together. Um, and what happens also is like when Jeannie and Eric break up, that's when Adam Devine and Zach Efron and Aubrey Plaza and Anna Kendrick all like, like that's when the girls fully fess up to the fact that they've been lying about certain parts of themselves. Like obviously by now the guys have figured out that they do drugs and all these things, but like they have to tell the truth about their jobs and everything that they fabricated and they kind of get vulnerable with each other. And they're all just sharing like that. They're afraid they're afraid to go for what they want in life. And so they have these sweet moments. I actually like the heart to hearts because I feel like these movies don't have those very often in the way that they did where they're just like, this is why I am the way I am. Maybe we can help each other. Like, I I liked that aspect. Um, Yeah. And that's, of course, when they decide that they want to go pressure Jeannie and Eric to get back together, which, you know, is, like, not the best way for them to first try to start boundaries. (laughs) Like, they're like, we want to get more mature. Let's go walk in on this really upset, you know, couple that's broken up. Um. But I mean, yeah, yeah, everyone ends up happy together in the end. And we don't get to see Jake Johnson again. And we don't get to see Mark Marin and Lavelle Crawford. You know, he needed more lines. Yeah. I'm really starting to warm up to Mark Marin. I used to really not like him. <laughs> but it, it just seems like he came around more and more and more. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I Glow really, cute. like, did a number on me when it came to Mark Marin. Like... He's just so good on that. Um, rest in peace, Glow. I was so sad when it wasn't renewed. Um, yeah, me too. And and Kyle loves that show. Like, that's the kind of shit that, like, Kyle really... And watching Kyle watch Glow is almost as good as watching Glow. It's so cute. Oh, that's really cute. It's just <laughs> such a good show. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, this movie... And this it's weird because I don't I don't hate this movie. There's so much I like about this movie, and that's why I'm so disappointed in it. And I don't even know if there's really the thing is is that I don't want to actually recommend anything else. I think that people should watch this movie mostly because I think that like it it it, it doesn't have a very long shelf life, and I think giving it attention while it's still while everybody in it is still pretty relevant. <laughs> might be yeah yeah because people can people can make up their minds for themselves since this isn't like like I still had fun watching it you know like even though I was frustrated and I I did feel angry at at points it wasn't like some of the movies we watch for the podcast where I'm actually just like I need to take a break from this movie (laughs) or like why do I do this to myself um yeah I think people should watch it and figure out how they feel about it and there's a lot of people that are good in it, even if the movie isn't fully good. Yeah. And I, I love... 
Oh, I was just going to say, I love how we're starting 2021 off on this just like lovely note or just like we like this movie Um, or we at least like what this movie would have (laughs) been. Yeah, I mean, like everything's chaos. So, you know, we're hoping to bring some joy. (laughs) And yeah, yeah. And all all the deers listening, um. I hope that you're taking care of yourself. I hope that you're drinking water and logging off and wearing your mask and you know where to find us to listen to us. We always love reviews. Uh, we'll be bringing more requests your way and more guests your way. And I'm sorry about that rhyme. Um, I'm Bronwyn. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, and subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash badromancepod. I'm going to start, I'm going to start mentioning our Patreon more. I'm going to be more professional. And you know, we've got, we've got side podcasts. We've got Young Adult Swim where Kyle and I watch, um, uh, young adult films, especially the ones that are that came up in the wake of Twilight. We're doing The Giver very soon, and yeah, we've got our <laughs> OC podcast. We have In the Smut, our erotic thriller podcast. So we got lots of goods, and yeah, we we appreciate you. Yes, we do. I'm Brian Bye. Isaac. Bye. Oh. <laughs> I'm Jordan Searles. <laughs> I already said my name like three times. I'm Broadway. No, I'm, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna re-edit this ending. So <laughs> okay, 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 okay. You go. I'm Jordan Searles and I'm Broadway Isaac. Bye. Bye. <laughs>